Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. Uh, I've got some housekeeping. Uh, You should not be surprised by that at this point. I am not. For our audience, are you a regular listener? Why not? Subscribe to The Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review at the service where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitar if you'd like to reach out to us directly you can do so with questions at questions at practical guitarist.com that's good that was amazing <laughs> are, are, are you okay yeah but i'm uh, my vid- my my um video is backwards i think isn't it backwards don't you does this read backwards it should say yeah. i-o-x-u-s no, that reads fine for me. It does? It says IOXUS? Yeah. Jim is in his new space now, so we're we're exploring his video setup. Um, so my guitar is hanging behind know. me, some guitars, and a couple of my amps behind me. Actually, we're get- three, but you can't see one of them. We're getting ready for video podcasting. We're hoping to do that sometime. I got very guitars s- over here. Um, I won't give a specific date because it just really depends on some personal things that are going on with both of us. Um, but the funny thing is that Jim's getting his camera and stuff set up now. And like, um, if you didn't know, Jim and I have never met in person. Uh, he no. lives, he lives in Virginia beach and I live in Chicago, Illinois. So, yeah. Um, so we're quite a ways away from each other. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we got some new stuff coming up. Um, I have a segue, but I'm going to start with the best part of the story. Well, first is- you have to go with the housekeeping. I thought I already did. Oh, yeah, you did. Where have you been? <laughs> well, I am a regular listener, just not You're today. Ask backwards, Jim. <laughs> not only your camera, but you as well. <sighs> no, so um, yesterday I sold some stock. And I put it in order for my new pickups for my Shenzhen. Oh. So 175 bucks. Um, I have the specs somewhere, but they're not directly in front of me. Uh, we did so we did take a look at the Shenzhen pickups that were in the guitar, and we were we were figuring they were gonna be around 10k, right? Because right. because Nick Bongers at Greatly Customs Custom Pickups um said that most Epiphone pickups are around 10k. Uh, they turned out to be 11.8k on the bridge, which Holy according shit. to him, just some muddy as hell. Um, is that what so, they had? That was what was in there. That was in there. Yeah, 11.8k for the bridge, and then I think 11.4, 11.3 for the for the neck. Um, if I, if I'm being facetious here, I will post the actual k in the show notes. Um, wow, that a, is that is a hot pickup, seriously. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty hot. Um, that does muddy it up. I mean, if they they're not sound- active, it it kind of takes away from you get they to don't, a tipping point, and it just they don't sound right. They're very no. bass heavy, like they're they're no. woofy pickups. Um, so uh, he's going to make me a set that's going to give me the tones I'm after, and uh, I have to order these now because uh, Jim and I have decided that we're going to go on a little bit of a journey together. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> a very interesting journey. How many guitars do you have, Jim? Too many. Let's start, let's start with this. Somewhere around, uh, somewhere around 18 or 20. Okay. I, I, PRSs alone, I have five or six. The fact is, I don't know how many guitars I have. Um, I have way less. Some are not here. They're not physically here because it's you put all your eggs in one basket, and if something happens, and I've had too many people, what happens to them. So I've got some in rehearsal space. I've got some in a friend's house. And I've got some in my mother's place. And the you know the ones that are the the precious ones are put away. Yeah, yeah. So the reason why I uh, I mentioned that because I don't know how many guitars I have. Yeah. I it's probably in the neighborhood of seven or eight. Yeah. Uh, it might be as low as six. Yeah. I don't know. And when you get to the point where you don't know and you actually have to sit there and tally it up, yeah, that's too many. It should stop and think. Maybe, maybe. I'm not saying that you can have too many guitars. I want to make no. that very clear. No. 
I'm saying sometimes you have to stop and take stock of what it is that you're doing. Um, and uh, over the last several years, I have been guilty of buying a lot of equipment in a very rapid time period. Sometimes I'd have pedals come in and go out with it within 30 days. Yeah. And I had too many pedals. And as you all know, I've switched over the Helix, and that was part of the reason why was because I was I was buying and selling constantly. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where it was just getting ridiculous. Like the amount of tr- post office trips I was making was just nuts. It's um, crazy. I'm gonna turn on this. Turn off this fan. Oh. Uh, I apologize to anyone uh, who's listening. I have uh, my AC running in the background, and it has been brutally hot, and we're suffering some weird weather here. So there's going to be a little bit of white noise in this episode. Well, my um, yeah, my my AC is running, but I had a little fan on the floor, kind of blowing things. Yeah, yeah and that's fine. I just um, I try to turn it off usually when I record, but uh, yeah. today I am not turning it off. No, it was uh, I was 97 degrees in the shade today. <laughs> it was terrible. We. We had such high humidity, you could feel like it was raining, and it wasn't, and yeah. it needs to. It needs to rain. Yeah, no, we did get some rain this afternoon, but uh, it was just a, a freak shower, yep. and now it's... Yeah, I think nice. we had a sun, a sun shower, so to speak, but yep. we haven't really had anything, you know. I hope that, that when I turned off the fan, it kind of got rid of any background noise that was going on, so, other than so- my voice... That's background noise. <laughs> so the challenge that Jim and I have embarked on oh. is that we're going to attempt to see who can outlast one another at buying new gear. Yes. And, the, uh, and so we have, to, we have to quantify what new gear means because I was talking about that. Right. So I'm actually, I'm getting a new power supply because I, I think I need a better power supply for my gear. So I'm going to... Um, well, the start date is July anyway. It's right. end of July. So oh, well, we've got 30 I, I days got to... Get everything squared away. I can still buy a couple guitars and um, <laughs> some pedals. I really don't want to get more pedals. Um, no. I mean, I understand. Well, like Everybody wants more pedals, but I don't want No, them. I want more guitars. It, it's I crazy. Do. Um, so what, what we've done is we have, we have challenged each other for a year, starting the end of July. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting a power supply. What is a power supply? A bracket? I don't know if you can count that. And I need to get a um, focus right for in here. I <laughs> Poor do David. this, Jim. I don't Poor know David. if I can do this. I'll have to give you a hug when I see you. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> I, 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 I'm predicting right now I'm going to lose. Yeah. I don't know why, but I just have this feeling something's going to come across my path, like an echoplex or something that I can get for nothing. And yeah. I'm just gonna it's gonna be a deal that's too good to refuse. Um well, but that being said but that being said, I think both I think both of us kind of recognize that like this buying and selling thing gets a lot of people into a lot of trouble. Yeah. And yeah, so this is kind of like us showing a sign of solidarity for yes. our brothers and sisters of these I've, problems. I've, so I've got um so uh let's talk about some of the gear that we use in a, at least in a continuous basis. Right. In a continuous basis. So what I usually use um, for gigging, um, if I'm at church, I just use a simple Fender uh, Mustang amp. Got a, and all the sounds in it. I've got the, the foot board, and I use that to change the channels. I can also loop with it. Um, and for gigging, I use this little Hughes & Kettner behind me. Um, with a, it, It's an 18 Tubemeister. Tubemeister? And um, I have uh, two PRSs uh, that I've been using pretty regularly since I went away from using my, my um, Les Paul. And uh, I have this that I use for Drop D. Yeah, it's his uh, ESD. ESD. Yeah. The LTD. Um, e- EC1000. EC1000, right. Yep. In and blue, then, it's beautiful. And then for acoustics, which can't say, I've got a 12-string ovation that I use pretty regularly in a Takamini. Um, and so that um, will get more use as time goes on. Um, and for my pedal board, um, I've got a carbon copy delay, um, a Boss compressor CS3, um, chromatic tuner, uh, noise suppressor, the NS2, 
Um, so those are all boss. Um, a boss uh, BD2 that was um, uh, modded by Brian Wampler himself. Um, it was really nice of him to email me and tell me all these specs that I'm probably never going into because he said, well, insides, a couple trim pots, you can trim it around. Um, everybody loves the way it sounds, the fuzz pedal. So I don't know if Brian meant for this to become a fuzz pedal. And, and this is something I want you to tell him when you see him. Because uh, yeah. I don't think he meant for it to become a fuzz pedal. I'm going to tell him. But Jim loves, his, Jim loves his fuzz pedal. <laughs> I mean, that blues driver you made him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just cranked the gain to almost 10. And the level, like, um, maybe uh, just over a quarter of the way up, and maybe third. And then, um, so, uh, then I've got the Paisley drive. And everybody loves Channel 2, which is the underdog. And they're like, they're like, you know what? You got the, you got the BD2 and the Paisley. That's it. That's all you need. We, I, I don't even, well, the underdog side of the Paisley. I don't even use the one side. But somebody was like, well, you know, you could have just bought, um, you know, the one side of the, of the, um, the Paisley. underdog. I was like, have you tried to find an underdog? There were yeah, only what a hundred of them or six hundred of them made. Yeah, they don't they don't come up too often, and when they do, they're buku buck. So, so um, even though it sounds like a waste, that's actually a really good. And everybody was, you know, that that has heard it. I'm like, wow. Um, well, if that's what you're using, so. Um, oh, and I got a, a mini spark booster now. I went to the mini because I just use it as a boost. It was better to just go with a mini level. Yeah, and the thing is, like, Jim, you're you're fortunate because your rig is purpose built yep. for for what you do. Yep. Um, my rig is all over the place, and it's mostly because I'm all over the place, and I'm never really playing the same music twice. It's ridiculous, uh, as that may seem. So I'm using. Uh, I got. I guess you should start with the guitars. I really only have three guitars I play right now. I have two S500s and I have a Gibson SG. I'm gonna have. Four guitars really shortly because I'm going to get those pickups put in the uh, Shengze. Yep. Hopefully that guitar will be much much better. Still got to get a bridge for that. That's a plan. Um, I've already bridges got that. are relatively yeah, inexpensive, right? That's like a yeah. I'm, well, I'm tone go pros. I'm going for the a nice tone pros, and I'm going to replace the tailpiece. Yeah. Um, but have my local shop do it because they they're going to tweak the uh, tone pros for me and all that. So uh, I, apparently there's some things you can do to it to make it better than than it is that, according yeah. to them. So yeah. um, I haven't really had deep conversation with Pat on that yet, but um, I trust him. So um, yeah, but you know, so I'm gonna have I'm gonna have four guitars, right? And basically, uh, two mid '60s style humbucker guitars, and then two uh, two modern single coil guitars because that's yeah. basically what i'm about so um my my amp is has been and will be for a very long time to come is a uh mesa boogie mark 525 with a one by 12 matching one by 12 uh mini recto cab mm -hmm. and um i i i've settled on that amp i don't think there's really much you can do i mean i've looked at so i looked at deluxe reverbs and i've looked at supersonic 22s and stuff recently yep. uh, i was thinking about getting a, a boogie to play along with it or a, a, the uh, dual the uh, rectoverb, yep. but I I ended up I'm not going to do that right now. Financially, right. I don't want to spend the I don't want to outlay the cash, and I think I'm better off where I'm at. So I also have um on the floor. I'm not really running a lot of pedals. Uh, I do have a Wampler Pinnacle that's in the box up here. A couple of uh, I always have a multitude of fuzz pedals. Um, they're in in a bin above me. I don't use them all the time. Um, I've got the Helix. That's pretty much ninety percent of what I need. So the amp is the other five percent, and then the guitar is the other five percent. So I'm so, I, I'm going to be good. I have a feeling that that I'm going to be good on that front. Yeah. The only thing that could come come up is if I come across something like an Echoplex for yeah. like four hundred dollars, or if I come across a um uh. You know, like a rare guitar or something that that you know, you just don't see every day. Uh, I actually really want a Sunface. Um, that could be an issue if I hear that the NKTs are going out. Uh, I am on the list for. I was the, gonna say, uh, aren't you on a list for an Analog Man? I'm on the list for the King of Tone, but the thing is, if it comes up, I'm just gonna flip it anyway. Right. So. I mean, that's just an investment, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, that's not gear that I'm gonna use. I'll probably never even plug into it. 
Um, no, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that money and I'm gonna get that king of tone or I'm gonna get that that uh, sun face and stick it in the bin up here until next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't show it to me. I'm like yeah. a wife. I'm like your wife now. You're hiding the gear from me. No, no, that would be so. so the, the the plan all along has been to get the king of tone and flip it, and I got on the list like a year and a half ago for it um, because. They go for way more than what they sell for new because people really want them and they don't want to get on that wait list because the wait list is like a year and six or nine months now. I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't come down to like when we hit our year mark that I still don't have a King of Tone in my possession, to be honest with you. Um, But if I do, I'm I'm, fair warning right now, this is part of the rules for this. I'm going to buy, I'm going to sell it, I'm going to take the money, I'll put it in my savings account. And if I have to, I'll get a, a sun face before the NKTs disappear. Right. So right. that's kind of where I'm at. What's an NKT for somebody All right, who doesn't so, know what that so is? The trans, so the transistors that are used in the, um, in the sun face, the NKT-275s are the popular ones. Uh, Analog Man does not make NKT-275 sun faces anymore, as far as I know. He may be making them for pros, but he has a very small stash of them left if he's doing it. Um, so they have to be hand-matched. Uh, there's a lot of bad ones that don't work well in fuzz circuits that work well in other circuits, which he also produces with those particular transistors. Yeah. Um, I'm not expecting to get an NK2275. I, when I say NKT, I mean and the like, because there's actually some other. So there are other transistors that are NKT275s that have different numbers on them, and right. they're from they're rebranded. He has some of those. Okay. And so that's why I'm kind of like. I need. I, I still want to get like one of those really high quality fuzz faces, and if I if I do it, it'll be it'll be put up. I'm not. I won't play it until uh until the July thing is over. But it's just is it's been on my radar for years. Yeah, been waiting for it. Yeah, sometimes so, you gotta you gotta bite while the um while the fish is well, you know the in, in, in the these in these situations, especially with this kind of stuff, this new old stock parts stuff. When yeah. it comes up, you have to get it. That's when what I'm you saying. Can't. You can't you can't wait because if you try to wait, you're you're just yeah. Then I'm going to pay. Then I'm going to pay seven or eight hundred dollars later because exactly. the NKT two seventy five uh, sun faces, Jim, yeah. they go for eight hundred dollars wow. sometimes now wow. because you can't get them anymore. So um, he incredible. made the premier one. And that's all there is to it. So other than that, I mean, I got some Pelotars. I got some stuff like that. I'm I'm not really waiting on anything else. I'm trying to get this guitar done before July 1st. Um, We we both agreed. So the other rules are that we can buy parts, meaning if something breaks, we can replace it. Right. Cables, Um, strings. Cables, parts, strings. Yeah. It's just that's just normal day to day stuff. Yeah. Uh, I told Jim anything he needs to buy for the podcast. That's not that does not include guitars and effects and stuff like that. But Darn if he needs it. a cable for his microphone, <laughs> or yeah. he needs to get uh, a microphone stand, or if he needs to get a new interface or something like that. And the same goes for me. Um, I'm still using my AT2020 uh, from uh, Audio Technica, uh, but I may I, I had my eye on a on a uh, Rode NT1 for a while. So if I if I see one, I, I might still pick it up. That's a podcast item. I don't use this for anything other than the podcast. So yeah, um, I have a small stand, um, one of those uh, you know amp stands, small like desktop type thing. Right, so I'm right. probably going to wind up using that. But I want to get a um, before I go do something like that. I want to put. Uh, I want to put a focus right in here, and I'll use my um, uh, my vocal mic versus now, this thing. We can Beta receive fifty eight. We can receive used gear, though, right? Yeah, I don't. Well, receive not, not used, but like yeah, gear that is given to us, right? <laughs> right. That's what I mean. Not used gear. So if somebody says, "Hey, I want to send you this pedal," right? We can say, "Bring it on!" Right? Because uh, I have that tube screamer. I'm supposed anything. to. I have that tube screamer I'm supposed to send you, so yeah. I'm not uh, trying to uh, ruin your day. Well, when <laughs> I get like, back, if you get open this box, York, you're fucked, Jim. <laughs> yeah, when I get back from New York, I'm going to put that monitor in the box. So, um, going along with that, you know, guys, one of the things is, um, so let's talk a little bit about um, the way we use our gear. So, honestly, I only need, need. Two guitars, one amp, you know, cables, and and um, you know, you know, you got to have some kind of tone. You want to get something out of your your pedals. Nobody goes pedalless these days. So, um, that's that. 
Oh, oh, and I do have another wireless. I have a second wireless. This you can see a wireless hanging out of that one right there. That's one of them little uh, like X fives. Yeah, the XV, XVIV or something. Yeah, X five. I actually use a Shure system that I have in a, a box, but the, because the X five, I never feel like that's going to stay in the guitar, even though it's never fallen out. I always have this fear that it's going to fall. I out. don't like how they stick out of the damn guitar. Like, oh, I got to spin in place. I just yeah, don't, I don't like anything about that. Um, I don't. Th- y- you seen the new Boss unit? Yeah. Boss has one now, yeah, and, it, and it's like a stick that sticks out the end of the guitar. I'm like, yeah. that is the dumbest design I've right. ever seen. I don't like uh, as much as people like Line Sixes. I don't like Line Sixes either because Line Six has that that stick, similar thing to the Boss. It's got like a. It's it's depends about that long. It, Jim, that depends on the unit. Some of them aren't aren't that way. Like some of them oh, have no, an not the higher end line six. I'm talking That's about the, yeah the, the cheapy the G10 or whatever. Yeah G yeah G10 G1. I don't know. Well, the G10. The biggest problem with the G10 is actually that the uh, the thing uses a USB charger and the and the way that the cable uh, fits into the thing like it it comes loose. That's the yeah. other thing. These X5s they use a USB charger. Mm-hmm. I'm just not crazy about that. There, there is a good line six one. That costs a little more money. Yeah, like the, the sure. higher end ones, like the G30s and stuff, are really good. So yeah, it's like my Sure system. My Sure system is one of the middle of the road. It's not the super high end. It's not the super low end. I've had it for 15 years. It's been doing me great. The only thing I don't like about it is batteries. batteries yeah, if I start batteries, batteries. if I start gigging regularly, I'm going to have to get a wireless. So right now, I'm not using wireless. Um, I don't gig enough to need it. I can tell you right now, that 50 percent of the time, I forget to bring my wireless, and I just wire up and I go. I just put a 20 foot cable in. I go. Yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at too. It's like it's easier for me to run the cable <laughs> than to, than to worry about like going out to the store and buying one, make sure I have batteries, making sure I'm plugged in all the time. Like yep. it's just I, I granted I have enough money in cables I can afford one. Yeah, <laughs> well, if we didn't do a drop D song, I wouldn't even have to bring a third guitar. Yeah, but we do drop D, and you got to be able to do that. I know we we had that conversation last week. You were looking at all these solutions to get the drop D on the existing uh, guitars, and I'm like, that's never going to happen, Jim. <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, uh, and so I, um, a friend of mine in the area plays a um, EVH Wolfgang, and he has that tuna, the D tuna, yeah, yeah, the D tuna, and he uses that consistently. Bumble D tuna. Anyway, yep, Bumble D tuna, uh, and it's yeah. Chicken of the Sea, I think. Chicken of the yeah. Sea. Tuna. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. So is this chicken or fish? The deficiencies I have in my rig right now <laughs> that I would like to figure out. You live on the sea. Um, I know. You could drill down a foot and you'll be in the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. Salt water in the, in the ground, believe it or not. Brackish. So um, the deficiency I have in my rig. Are really so you like you talk about you have to take three guitars to a gig. You only really need like a certain amount of, of equipment. I really, I could I could probably nix my amp. Mm-hmm. I could probably. I I don't I would be happy with that, but I but I could, and I could play, just my S five hundreds and probably be totally happy. Um, now would my band mates be happy? I don't know, because I, I, I do, and it's not that the SG sounds better or anything, it's just that I play differently with it, and I think for certain things, when I pick that guitar up, it brings in a different style of playing, yeah. and so they like that variation, um, but can I live without it? Yeah. For probably. me, it's relatively random. I go, I'll pick up a guitar, like, um, you know, the CE24, it used to be the Les Paul, I just pick it up. I just start playing. And then, okay, set two, switch it up, play a different guitar. Set three, switch it up, play a different guitar. It was, it, it's really like that for me. I don't, I don't, I know really... some guys that they play us, you know, certain guitars for certain <laughs> songs. You know, I got to have this one for this song and I got to have this one for this song. I just, I, I don't do that because I don't want the guitar to tell me how I'm going to play. I've never really. Not. I've never really gotten that anyway, because because I'll be honest with you, even if you're on a big stage, like with a huge sound reinforcement system and you got a tech and all that stuff, you know, you're you're a full time pro. Yep. Um, you really think the audience can tell the difference between Stratocaster A and Stratocaster B? No, I just don't think so. I mean, I can I can see maybe maybe if you're going from a Les Paul to a T 
telly or a strat. And the and the telly or the strat are not humbucker setups. Yeah. Like not an HSS strat, but a true strat. I can see that. And a lot of people, it's like, you know, okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think that the audience can really tell a difference between a real single coil and a split coil? Or tap? Most of them are tapped. So this is one of those times where I say that probably not from auditory means, but yeah. but I will say this. If you as a player notice it and, it, and you have to change your playing dynamics, like you're hitting it harder and stuff, they might notice that. Right. So that may be the one instance where that's kind of like, eh, yeah, but that may be a little bit different. Um, now, I will say this. Your split coils, I've never had a split pickup that has as much output as a, a regular single coil. Because it, 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 now, that being said, we all know PRS has a different system for doing that. Right. Theirs are a lot closer. They're yep. still not quite there, but they're a lot closer. And that's because right. I, I have a primarily single coil background. I grew up playing them. I've been playing them for the last 15 years or something as my right. primary. Where I started on a humbucker. You know what? I almost um, feel naked without a humbucker. I did too, Jim. Oddly enough, uh, my first guitar was an HSS. And the thing was, like, I I liked that guitar. I actually liked having the humbucker. But when I first, like, was like, I need to get a real guitar, I went to the store and I basically just fell in love with the Strat because it was cheap. Yeah. Like everybody else. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can afford this. I can't afford that Gibson over there. That's crazy. Right. Um. So I ended up buying a Fender Strat. And then that, that, and actually, I hated it. I hated the single coil pickup for years. And I finally just one oh. day was like, I, I got, I got my first, uh, yeah, you still do. I forgot, I forgot, uh, or I, I forgot. I got my first dual humbucker guitar, or no, it was another HSS guitar. Um, and I liked the humbucker in it quite a bit. Yeah. And, but I, but there was something missing. And that was when I realized, like, shit. Now I'm now I'm used to playing single coil, so I kind of I kind of cultured myself into it. It sucked. I I know that the, so when it comes to single coils and falling in love with single coils, a lot of people love that underpowered that that feeling. You know they like the sixty cycle hum. They like the no, not me. <laughs> but I used to okay, stand yeah, that was that was my thing. I was always ah, oh, I can't stand the hum. Even because even when I was playing, I could hear it. Um, I, I heard a guy demoing, um, and I, I honestly can't tell you, I, I listen to so many YouTube videos that I don't, sometimes they just become a blur, but there was a, a guy doing a YouTube video where he was demoing a guitar that was kind of noisy, and I could hear it being noisy while he played. He was conscious enough to turn the guitar down, you know, he would roll it off between when he was, went to talk, but I, could, I heard every every bit of it and i was like i'm not really impressed with this I don't, I, that's a noisy pickup and it's noisy all the way around i don't want to hear that hum while you're playing now i imagine that in a band situation maybe that hum goes away but I, it, it was no, just no it it doesn't though that's the thing like it, it gets masked but yeah. if you so like let's say you have a passage where you have to have a you know like a hard break and then there's like you know a half measure of silence and then right. you come back in like you can hear that hum during that oh, yeah. break because you're not going to roll your volume knob down for like two beats. It's and just I, not going to happen. And I can see maybe in a live situation, but I could say this and when it comes to being, well, you know, in a live situation, depending on where you're playing, um, like when we do a festival where you're up loud, you're going through, um, you know, 15, 20,000 watts of power out to an audience or, you know, 50,000 watts. That's, that little hum becomes it becomes like that train that just went by. Well, and, so, and so, Jim, the other thing you got to you got to be cognizant of though is that 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 hum doesn't really appear when you're playing clean. It isn't until you get that compression going and you got yep. you got some drive coming through that it really becomes distinct. Because yeah, I mean, like I can oh, play yeah. single coils through a Fender Twin, and you wouldn't necessarily know it's a Fender Twin unless the lighting or something in the room is causing my guitar to go nuts. Right. Um, right. But your venue. Your your venue is the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Let's face it, we've all played in a place that's a shithole, right. and in like <laughs> and you're the, sharing, the contractors were definitely non-union. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and you're <laughs> sharing the um, same. The thing about most places that you play as a as a weekend warriors and every weekend type person, 
unless you're playing a place that is a venue that is set up for bands that were, they, they literally isolated the power. Most of the time, you're playing in a place where not only are your acoustics awful, but you're getting the same power as the ATM machine, the little neon light that says Budweiser, and the fan. And the poker machine in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the little, you know, um, 25 cent a play or 50 cent a play poker machine. Yeah. And, I, and that's what you're sharing it with. Right? right. We play one place that above us, I don't know if I've ever said this before, but above us, um, they play a uh, uh, beer pong and so <laughs> the, the beer pong balls will come down i feel like captain kangaroo if anybody ever saw that when he and the little ping pong balls would fall down in his head that would be that would be us during these shows terrible it is terrible we played there uh, we played there um a couple weeks ago and we're playing there again when i get back from new york next week oh yeah um that's fun so, I don't know, like, as far as the humbucker versus hum thing goes, like, um, I, I tend to err on the side of, you're playing a live gig, you're a small bar band, maybe humbuckers will give you more mileage for most people. I am not saying that humbuckers are immune to hum. Oh, no, they are not. <laughs> Especially That's, if they're really, really out of balance. Oh, uh, yeah, you're, you're experiencing. Um, um, <laughs> personally. <laughs> So my eleven point four k? Are you shitting me? Well, they're not out of balance though. We don't know what the we. I'd have to cut the the pickup apart. Okay. But Nick told me that the way that he he gave me the specs, he gave me the coil by coil specs of the previous guitar I had, and I was looking at the uh, the order form for that. And in that previous spec, he outlined that one coil is this, and the other coil is this. So right. it's not completely noiseless because. We all know you're flipping phase, and if one of those is louder than the other, then it's going to cut through. Right. So it's it's a it's an interesting concept. Like you'd always think that oh, a humbucker is you know completely phase canceling, but the coils don't necessarily have to be the same. So nope. And wireless in a downtown situation like we get sometimes you get uh, you get a little bit of um, that thing that crosstalk. Not very often. They're better than they used to be, but. So, um, well, what the hell were what what road were we going down? When well, I we were talking about the, defi- the deficiencies of my rig and how how difficult it will be for me to get through the one year transition. I don't really so, think it's going to be that hard for me to be honest with you. How many people, honestly, are yeah? Uh, how many people honestly are afraid um, to go without a cabinet? Oh gosh, I I am slightly afraid of it. I'm not saying I'm not afraid of it, but I also know I'm prepared enough to walk into a situation without my cabinet and get through it. Uh, I've been doing rehearsals that way now for four months, I think. Right. There's Merle is winding up a story back out here. I hear him. Um. (laughs) Anyway, so uh. I don't know. Like, yes, going without a cabinet, like, there are purists out there, and I know a few of them who are like, no, rock and roll has to be played with a damn cabinet on stage. There has to be a giant wall of 412s behind you. And then, you know, let's face it, we're all down to 1x12s or 2x12s in most cases anyway. All right, so doesn't that speak to, like, we were talking about with the original versus um, uh, cover thing last week, is that we we as as musicians we have to go in with what what's our objective and what's our our right. goal because if our objective is to play um where we have um okay let's say i'm doing 70s 80s covers and i'm in a pop band and i'm in a yacht rock situation where i do corporate gigs small clubs you know things Adelina like that and right. yeah, wine mixers, you know, you're opening for big groups down at the, you know, um, down at the uh, Norva or, you know, whatever, name your, name your small, um, uh, when I say small venue, I'm talking about gala less than, less than 2000 seats, right? Yeah. Or less than 2000 people. All right. So if you're playing to something like that, why do you really need um, a, uh, a cabinet? Do you really need it? 
can't you play through an emulator, a sim, uh, you know, a cab sim, and you know, so on and so forth. Um, and the, that that will allow you to, you know, I think what happens is we 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 come into this stuff. We have a budget, right? Most of us right. begin as as garage bands. I don't care whether you are Aerosmith or Iron Maiden or you were, you know, uh, Billy Joe, Jim Bob, and the Jingle Jangles. All right, so that sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds like a good band name. I think yeah, I'll, it does. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, put my don't on take that. no wood nickels because you're gonna jingle jangle. Oh, sorry. Right. So typically you <laughs> practice with, um, and, and you typically have one rig. You might have two or three guitars. You tip most most people have one, maybe two amps, and most people have um, most people, and that and that's a um, you know I'm not talking about the pros here. I'm talking about the everyday people. Um, you know, and I'm not including the little practice amp you have at home that you've got the five or ten watt you know solid state. Solid like state you see that thing. orange yeah. over here. Um, I'm talking about the um, the big stuff. Um, so you, you come in with your budget, you don't mic your cabinet. You don't, you know, you go to clubs, you go to a little club where you might get 20 people in there. Um, your gigs are typically, um, a 50 person gig is a big gig. It's big a big gig, gig. Right. Right. And you, like I said, you don't mic your cabs because the place is too small and you don't right. mic half the time. You don't mic the drums. You don't mic the cymbals. You don't, you know. So, in other words, the only thing really going through the PA is what? Vocal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. in, in all reality, and the vocalist always gets, it's always on underpowered PA. Oh, we got a, we got a 200 watt PA. That's enough. No, it 200 isn't. watts? No, it isn't. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> You'd be better off plugging into that guitar amp over there with the cabinet connected. Dude, I remember the days of doing that. So, don't. <laughs> There was a, so there was two inputs, so two inputs to the to the guitar amp. One was my microphones. <laughs> yeah, you're like that's what that's for, right? Yeah. Um, and remind me, I want to come back to that because I I um saw something about something like that. But anyway, so here you are. You're you're um playing to a place. Half the time you've got you don't have guitars in the monitors, so the other guitar player can't hear your guitar or the keyboard player or whatever. And most of the time, that's that's why these guitar centric garage bands start is because do you have a keyboard player? No, most of the time you don't, right? No. And it's I not until you get that a little bit of money you start going into a corporate thing. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm selling out, man, selling out. Yeah, and it, and it goes back to like what we talked about last week. What defines your uh, for you? What defines success? If success is just banging out some power chords and having a good time and Few free beers, and that's then you've reached it. You got the pedicle. I, I'm laughing because uh, I just like what what's the litmus test for um whether you you know where you're at in your musical career and like it's when you stop having to get creative with where you're putting your amp on the stage. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> because we've all done it where we've tried to do side fills and everything else with the guitar amp because. We can't hear each other. You know, there's yep. two guitar players in a band or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that really is, and that speaks to a bigger problem. You're not doing that because you need to. You're doing that because you need a PA wedge with both guys mixed in. Like, that's that's what's going on there. Absolutely. Um, and there is so. still this guitar fear, guitarist fear, that of, of, of Line 6 Variax oh, yeah. and a Helix. Because in yeah. reality, that's all you need. And obviously through the PA, you're done. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, it, it, if I were so if I were 16 year old me, and I was buying my first big amp, my first real amp, I would probably just slap myself upside the head and be like, just do, don't be a dumb fuck, buy a Helix, and then get together with your bandmates and piece out a PA. Get just buy the best PA you can get your hands on, yeah, because it'll be better for the band in general. Well, you know? yeah, because in the in the long run. Who's the one person that can't turn up? It's the singer. Yeah. You know, um, as, a, as a person who sings myself, um, there are... I don't pay them dirty fucking singers. I'm, I'm all instrumental now, baby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I, I listened to your stuff the other day on SoundCloud. 
You can check out David on SoundCloud, by the way. Yeah, I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. You guys want to go hear how bad I suck? You can go out there and take a listen. You can, you can, yeah, you can download the uh, the intro to the um, uh, podcast. podcast. Out there. Yeah, it's on there. Anyway, the thing is that um, if you have this um, this singer, how many times have you heard the singer like, "I can't hear myself. I'm blowing out my voice," you know, so on and so forth. And yet, you've got this person that. Usually sounds great. You know, you're standing in a room and they sound real good. And then you get to where the band starts up and it's like, I can't hear shit. I can't hear anything. Well, that's because most of the time the singer is trying to scream over over the instruments and it, and they will never win. Ever. Never win. You've got to have you, you you know, what most people don't put money into is what most of your audience, unless you're an instrumental group like you are, most of your audience needs to be able to hear that singer. And that, and that is your weak point. Honestly, in an instrumental group, the only reason for a great PA is what? What's the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question of you. What is the most important reason to have a good PA if all you're doing is playing through guitar amps? Drums. 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 And, and... And so for the audience, why is that important for them? Well, they need to they need to feel that kick, number one, and they need to be able to hear that snare. And I it maybe the overheads. I mean, I I'm not generally a guy that says you should mic your cymbals in a live environment depending on how, where you're at and how much volume you're pumping out. Yes, obviously if your PA is way louder than the band is acoustically, then yes. Right. You definitely want to mic your over your overheads, but you don't necessarily need to. How many how many times cases. have you been to a place where you stand over here and it sounds real good, you stand over there and it sounds like shit? Right, because right. you need that even sound production, right. right? And so, if you have everything in the PA, and you put it, you can out, balance that. You can balance it any way you want. We pan. I can tell you right now that the way we do it, we have a slight pan of the guitars. When I say slight, very slight. So the way we do it is both of us obviously going through uh, um, the tube meisters out the uh, red red something di yeah the red box di red box di we go out to the pa and because we both play slightly different pedals we definitely play slightly different guitars we're so we're slightly different in the mix the way we make sure that we are um, a little bit different is one is panned slightly left and one is panned slightly right and when I say slightly I'm talking about just a little bit. All that does is give separation between the guitars in the PA mix. In the monitor mix, we, um, as a band, we try to keep it um, uh, steady. Now, of course, drummers, people, and, and a lot of guitar players uh, play drums, drummers um, will fright when they hear that we don't have any real drums. So we use, we use electronic drums, which makes I'm it easier. I'm that. Honestly, it makes it easier in a whole band. Oh, for a production mix, yeah. Absolutely. You, we, I never have to worry about the fact. So as, as many times as I was the singer, where's the singer typically stand in the center of the stage? Where's the drums? Right from behind you. Well, the cool thing about that is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, for the most part, the reason why drummers don't like to use electronic drums, specifically in live environments, is because it's harder to do fills. And to get your, you know, your crazy snare articulation and all that stuff. And honestly, for like pop rock music, you don't necessarily need it. No. People think you do, but you really don't. No. We get, I mean. My two cents. Yeah, we do. Um, uh, we were doing American Band. I mean, we do that when we do classic rock stuff. And um, we have uh, uh, Radar Love. Both of those, I use those as an example because both of them have a very articulate snare. Right, both songs. We also do like we're looking at urgent. There's two snare sounds in urgent, right? By by foreigner. Yeah, yeah. The one's very dull slap, and the other one's like a very sounds crisp. like you threw a towel over it. <laughs> right, and, and I'm not sure how they did that. Did they use a tom, or did they use two snares? One with the um with the thing undone underneath, so that it sounds like it's just thump. And he probably other. just threw his wallet on it. Yeah, it does sound like like that, like. Or they put too many of those little um, gel pads, which they didn't have probably in 1980. No, they probably he probably just threw something on it because that's what they used to do. I know I know some of the uh, stuff on Sergeant Pepper. I guess was was just a towel thrown over the snare. So yeah, 
But anyway, my, my point is it allows you to get down into that, that position instead of having to, like some churches you see, where the drummer is standing behind um, a plexiglass thing. Right. Right? And you're going to take that into your 20-person gig. Uh, yeah, so, you, nobody wants to do that. I mean... I'd, lo- I'd love to, because honestly, like, my whole thing is I want to get the best sound I can every time I play, like, whether it's rehearsal or whatever. But the thing is, uh, I know it's impractical. And so I don't do it. Like I, I, if I, if I thought I could get away with it, I'd have plexiglass in front of my my combo amps at gigs. Now, if you, if you have oh, yeah. an all instrumental gig and you have um, uh, where you talk and you should talk to the audience now and again. Yeah, I do anyway. That's... Always have a mute for the mic. Get a foot mute for the mic because you're not doing yourself any favor having that mic hot while you're playing. Or use a switch on the mic. Nobody likes them, but that's what they're yeah. there for. Yeah. Well, most. Most of your good mics, a Beta 58 or a, um, you know, they won't a 58, have, they won't have, they won't have the regular 50, right. My 58s have them. I have a pair of them. They both you got have switch 58s on. 58s with switches? Yeah. My 58s don't have switches. Yeah, I don't know where they came from because I got them from work and they were actually retiring them. So mm. um, I took them, but there is a pair of 58s and they have switches. Nice. I don't. I have no fifty eights with switches on. And and honestly, for for that kind of gig, like just get a shitty cheap mic with a, with a switch. Nobody cares what you sound like. Yeah, you just need to be able to talk to the audience. Click, click every now and again. Yeah, you're just talking to the audience. I think yeah. that it would be more convenient to have a foot mute, but well, way, it would it would be. But the, the problem with the foot mute is it's an extra piece of gear you get to haul. That's right. So it's, it's it's a toss. It's one more thing that can go wrong. Right. Well, so you you can your switch can still go bad on your mic too, but I yeah, mean, but the just, chances of a slider switch versus a um, plunger. Yeah, it's something you stand on probably. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right on that. Yeah, I'm just saying. So. Um, you know, I think that we, we come back around to a, a, a circle here and that is, um, so I saw in the Wampler pedal group that they had a, um, they had a, a, uh, that's where I got that Brian Wampler footboard or foot, right. uh, pedal board that I sent you. Yeah. Um, I said, Hey, that's look for this at GearFest. Oh, I'll be there. So, um, yeah. So if you guys are at GearFest, obviously David's going to be there. Please say hi. Yeah, come to him. find me. It's going to be nuts. But if you if you see me while I'm there, feel free to call my name and he's slap got, me. Or, well, don't slap a, me. He'll have a shirt that says the 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 um the practical, practical guitarist, guitarist penis. I mean podcast. Yeah, practical penis. Anyway, so <laughs> um what uh, um <laughs> I, you you done ruined it now, Jim. I destroyed my own my own joke. Um, uh, so the um uh. What they did was they were asking, show your pedal board, and then it was up to people that were looking at the 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 um the pedal boards to decide what do you play. Uh, yeah, those was, are, that's a fun game. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I put my helix up there, and did then you? people could just say everything. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it. But you know, so um, I play everything. I don't play classical music on it. Yeah. Well. I play no classical metal, so yeah. I just had to, you know. So I, um, we're coming toward the end. So last week, when I'm sitting with the band and we're setting up, um, they're helping me get my my tone dialed in with everybody else because it is a it is a team effort to get your tone dialed in with the whole band, right? And um, so I'm. It should I'm, be. <laughs> yeah, and I'm dialing myself in so that we're not stepping on each other, but, but I still have decent tone. Um, and and here's what came up. How many distorted tones do you really need? Jeez, I need three. See, and and I know that because I've explored that three, maybe four, and and the fourth one's really not a distorted tone so much as an affected tone. Yeah, see, I um, wanted three. They're like, no, man, you only need two. No, that's not accurate. Well, distorted, no. So, all right, so we're talking about distorted tones. So I need what? What I, what I was saying was I need four tones total. What I actually need is. Three at max distorted tones. I need a uh, an overdrive, like a, m- a mild overdrive. Thanks, Stevie Ray Vaughan style. Right. Right. I need I need like your typical shred overdrive. Right. And then I need a fuzz. And if I can have those three things, then I can get through a gig. And typically, my fuzz is going to be an octave fuzz, but not always. Um. So you know, if I have those three things, I'm I'm happy as a clam. Of course, my 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 clean tone just needs to be clean, and it needs to sound Fenderish. Like as long as I can get kind of in that territory, uh, then I'm happy. I don't. So 
I know why in certain genres of music, you could probably get away with two sounds, like a mild, mild, clean sound. that's like almost dirty. And then like, you know, your typical like dirty rhythm sound, um, which you can also use for lead. And I guess that's what they're thinking, but they don't necessarily know the mindset of, you know, guitar player. Like I need a little bit of more extra saturation to get my lead sound, you know, um, cause I don't get that, that sustain. And you know, the funny part about it is Jim, I've noticed this cause when I do it in the studio and I record a track and then I'll go reamp it and I can dial the gain way the hell back when I'm reamping and I feel like it fits better in the track. But when I do it live, like I need to feel that extra, like little bit of push to make sure that like I'm, I'm comfortable. It, yeah. It, it's a safety net is what it is. I think that I think it speaks a lot to the um, '80s tones, because in all reality, so I'm in an '80s cover band, right? Right. And a fuzzy tone and a distorted tone and a clean tone. Or I do have a clean tone. I'm just talking about the right. distorted tone. So yeah, I'm just talking about the dirt flavor. Right. So the two two flavors of dirt, that hair metal, overly distorted crazy stuff and that almost classic rock um more bluesy tone and that's really it for the for the dirty tones i mean either doing i'm either doing something that's like poison or danger zone or something like that or i'm doing something like footloose right so it's not you don't need all those those variations and you know i'm not the guy that like argues for the three channel head all the time um I so I've had some of the like three channel style heads like the the Rivera stuff. They make a three channel head, the K tray, and then the uh, I've had you know of course I'm playing Mark Five Twenty Five. The Twenty Five only has two channels, but its Big Brother has three. Like I'm completely comfortable with two channels. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's a lot more emphasis put on the fact that you need for those kind of guys that really want three distinct channels. In this studio, they're probably using three different amps. It's you know, it's like a Fender or a Vox for the clean, and then they're using like a like an old Marshall for like the slightly driven tone, and then they're using you know some modern amp for their for their heavy drive sounds. Right. But that's why they go to those three channel amps because they really want something that's distinctly different on each channel. Whereas you and I probably could get by with you know a highly driven channel dialed back a little bit for yep. most of our rhythm sounds, and then just dial it up for the lead. Yeah, most of the time what I do is um, I'll roll off a little bit while I'm playing rhythm, and I might go to either both both pickups or I'll go to uh, uh, the neck pickup. Um, and then, not always, though. I, you know, so for me, this is... All right. I like a tight sound. Like a tight, rhythmic sound. Yeah, you want that, that bass to fit the mix and everything and like right. to, to thump a little bit when you when you... Palm mute and all that. Exactly. So it's really for me. I like the I like a neck pickup. I also like to use the neck pickup for solos in the high end of the fretboard. The yeah. quote unquote dusty end of the fretboard. I like a neck I, pickup for that. Since I'm, since I'm a strat guy, like the neck pickups where I live most of the time. Uh, I do use the I use the bridge pickup for rhythms a lot, but as soon as I hit a lead, I'm slapping that selector switch. It's it. I make it my bitch. And uh, we we go we go low and and uh, we try to you know do that that uh, politically incorrect tone right um, <laughs> exactly you know, like so that I got where I got that from is uh, Stevie Ray used to do that to mellow out his sound like I know people are like oh well no he just liked that sound no he's doing it to mellow it because if he ran his bridge pickup to the amps he was running full out like that. It, yeah. The audience would be would be ripping their ears off because oh, it's yeah. horrible. It's, it's it just it's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Um. So I don't I don't do that. I'm completely opposite. Yep. Yep. I'm one of those people. I go I go to the neck pickup and I may even dial it back just a little bit. Yeah. And then I tend to have that set preset from the guitar by you know dialing the pickup back a little bit. But yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. So. Well, I mean, the the pickup is like physically. Oh, oh you physically part. pull the pickup yeah. back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I I just dial it back. It's not a lot. It's like maybe eight or not. Or, well, nine, maybe nine and a half. But it's just enough. If you take it off of ten, most pickups. If you take that volume off of ten, just a little bit, you really take some of that harshness out when it comes to the really, really high end of the of the stuff. 
what I want to try to do is um, at some point in the future, I want to take a guitar and I want to have a, a quieter bridge pickup than a neck pickup mm-hmm. because that would be to and th- and then be able to balance it a little bit and that would be the perfect for me because I really do want that articulation out of the neck pickup so that when I'm I'm doing my fast shred stuff, you hear every individual pick note and that's hard to do. The way that may make neck pickups is hard to do. I'd rather have a higher output neck pickup um, with oh, yeah. with a little with a le- with less bass in it. Yeah, and I know it sounds ridiculous because I've said on this podcast multiple times I don't like twenty four fret guitars because of what it does to the neck pickup. But there are times where you want that sound on the the higher you know the tre- the treble strings and you don't want it on the bass strings. Yeah, and I do play the bass strings up there when you're doing six string arpeggios and stuff way above like you know the seventeenth fret or whatever. Yep, you're gonna need it. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so, Otherwise, it gets it, it it loses its strength. Those right. notes really don't punch. That's the hardest part about playing above the twelfth fret. By the way, most people, like your novice players, don't necessarily understand that. To get the clarity and tone out of your guitar at that at that, you know, from twelve on, really not so much twelfth. I would say like fifteen on. Yeah, you really have to play that fucker. Like you yeah. have to push hard, and you have to work really hard to get those notes to sound correct. Yeah, and and it does take a lot of practice. The other the, um, the other thing about um, playing up there is that when you're um, when you're trying to articulate, it can be really really difficult to articulate uh-huh. the difference in the notes. You're probably uh-huh. saying the same thing. I'm probably saying the same thing as you are. Um, is that you know similar similar? Yeah, it, and you really really want to make sure that your your touch isn't too too hard. But it's not too light. And this was what I was getting at. Where you pick is going to make a difference, especially when you get up there. I mean, it, it matters everywhere. Joe Satriani is one of those people. It's like, you know, he, he picks where he's going to pick along, you know, there based on, you know, where what kind of tone he wants out of that note that's in that position where he's fretting. Yeah. So if you pick, uh, if you pick closer to the center of the guitar, meaning closer to the 12th fret, Right. Than the bridge, you're going to generally get the string to vibrate with a more open pattern, and you might actually get some fret buzz when that happens. And right. it, it's kind of like one of those things where I've seen guys do the sweep arpeggios where they're actually will they'll be playing up at the 17th fret and they will pick those notes as close as they can to the fretboard, and then they will yep. move back towards the bridge as they get to the higher as they strings. Get to the higher strings, yep. And it's it's bizarre to watch, but there's a reason they're doing it. Yep. And it may not even be a conscious one, but they but they are doing it, and they're doing it because of the tonality reasons. But what we the uh, the reason I said that we're not quite at the same place where we're talking about the articulation thing is because I've even noticed just playing a single note yep. and getting it to sustain up there can be difficult. Oh yeah, and that's and that's where I'm talking about like you really have to work for every bit above the fifteenth fret. You really do. Yep. Yeah, the fretting out is very easy up there. It's 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 not just it's not just fretting out like just getting the note to 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 vibrate properly. And and actually, part of that may be because you know I use single coils too, and they have a from at least from my cognizance, they have a more dramatic effect on the elliptical path of the string than humbuckers do. You mean the magnetic um, pull of the the pickup is pulling Uh the string harder? I've never been able to get a humbucker to to uh, do that thing where the string will warble in a single coil. But, a but, I, but you could stir do it with a single coil. <laughs> yep, yep. Especially up there, yeah. You can wall, wall, so wall, that, wall. Yep. That's kind of why I was. Yeah, that's where I was going. Like, I just, I just. That's something. Well, I've that's where something. that. Yeah, that's where that pickup really, really starts to maintain. Where if you put a stronger pickup, if you put some of those like stacked humbuckers or the. Um, that's what I. That's what rails, I heard when I was playing singles. So. Right. In a in a typical single coil pickup position, or if you raise your pickup too high. It can cause some. I want to make a. I before we because I know we're right at the end here. Like we we're probably going over at this point. I I do want to make a quick talk about stack singles. Um, people turn their nose up at stack single coils all the time, and I don't understand why. I really don't. So they don't sound exactly the same as a single coil pickup. They're kind of their own thing. Um, there are versions that are get they get a lot closer, like the Demarzio Virtual Vintage stuff they're putting out now. Um, they're uh, quite a bit closer. Um, I know that uh, Kinmans are quite a bit closer, but the Kinmans are, from what I understand, they don't they don't have a lot of balls. That's what what people have told me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I can't say that I know that for sure because I've never tried them. But 
um, in general, stack hum, hum, uh, stacked humbuckers and me, <laughs> we, we agree very well. Yeah. Um, because it, it heightens up that single coil sound, but it still gives you a lot of that chime and upper yep. upper character. And I think for people who rely on those clean sounds, that's why single coils are still like a big thing. If you're li- light drive and clean, you want single coils because yeah. you're going to get all that glassy, like complex, rich tonal character that you're not necessarily going to get from a from a high output humbucker. So anyway, it has right. less to do with the fact that it's a single coil, more to do with the volume. That's so, that's really what. We will take this and table it. No. And let everybody <laughs> let everybody go for today. And uh, I have been Jim. I have been David. And this has been the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Do you have anything smart ass to say? Always. Always.